Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I'm looking for the best book called Project Hail Mary. To help me are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. You were trying to think of something like to Right, like two Hail you Marys, two astronauts, two you don't know. Rosaries, I don't know. No, mm-hmm, I wasn't yeah. trying to think at all. No. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> we mistook you for someone who was trying to think. Hello, Nick. My name is Joe Holshu. I'm a high school English teacher. And if you are looking for a book called Project Hail Mary, I am. or alternatively, if you're looking for a book about a man who wakes up in deep space and figures out slowly that he has to save planet mm. Earth, I brought a book called Project Hail Mary by a guy named Andy Weir. I don't know if you that name, if you know that name, but he wrote a very famous book called yeah. The Martian that uh, had a little bit of a claim to it. This is his very popular and very well loved follow up. Hello, Martians. Uh, my name is Project Hail Mary, and I am a high school English teacher. I did not bring a book this week, and I have not seen The Martian. That's not going to stop me from promulgating dubiously scientific facts about what it's like to be in space. Did you know that space feels very wet? Like when you're out in space, it's just like dripping. Mm, I think it's because it's cold. I think cold things feel wet. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Yep. That's why it is. Yeah, yep. the body can't feel wet because skin can't feel water. Because it's waterproof. Those aren't my words. Uh, <laughs> Y'all lost me. Yeah, it's like a thing. Like we don't have sensors for water, so we're actually just feeling uh, temperature. Right. It's like why when you sit down on a park bench, you can't tell if it's just a cold park bench or if you have just sat in a puddle of urine. Obviously, I mean, anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it could be anything. Maybe, maybe I'm special because I totally can. Mm-hmm. Yep. More on that to come. <laughs> May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs> now, we've brought an Andy... Is it we're or we are? Mm, we, we are. We are. Wait, Wait, have we? To, yeah. We've brought yeah, a book. Have we talked about the Martian on this show? I don't before think no? we have. I don't no. think so either. Really? I never. I never did because I've never read the Martian. It seems like more of a Joe book than an Ian book. Mm-hmm. My wife read the Martian and liked it a bunch, and then oh. we watched the movie the next week. Is she on the <laughs> podcast though? <laughs> that, yeah. Did so we actually record an episode with her that I forgot about? <laughs> Hi, my name is Megan Holshue. That's good. I'm here to Ooh. be mean yeah, to let's y'all. Do, let's do let's do impressions of our spouses. That would go real well. <laughs> yeah, I try to just stick to mean things about you guys, not about the books. The books right, are keep really it personal. Keep it keep personal. It personal. Yeah, this is, uh, you know. People put a lot of work into these books. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, welcome, Lidheads to You Don't Know Lid, a weekly, as we call it, strongly podcast, where every week we pick a theme or you recommend one. And Joe and Ian, two qualified high school English teachers, bring book recommendations. But sometimes we just do one book because we're lazy. So, And I'm feeling super lazy, guys. Mm-hmm. Great. And... I am as well. Perfect. I'm glad we covered and that. A quick off. over to Joe. How lazy are you feeling, Joe? I feel. Yeah, I feel. I feel a little lazy. But Joe did all okay. the work this week, so he's That's true. probably yeah. less lazy than us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, um, if I'm lazy, why am I out. so sweaty? I let's just move on from your um, moisture level. Uh, we have, still have some show rules to keep us on track, but only two of them matter. 
Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers today, Joe. And again, this second one is for you. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joseph. But this should be an abbreviated episode, so I don't see that being an issue. But man, you never know. Sometimes you really help me. Don't help me with that edit button. Mm -hmm. Joe, do you want to take 30 seconds and tell us what your book is about? Yeah, absolutely. Nick, Ryland Grace wakes up from a coma with a bunch of tubes sticking out of him. He doesn't really know where he is, but the place looks kind of weird and he realizes he has no memory at all of how he got there. Eventually, through a bit of complicated science, he realizes and remembers that he is the sole survivor of a mission that is the last ditch chance to save Earth from an Earth star eating microbe for uh, for life that needs the output of the sun. That's not good news. And yes, he's going to need to science the shit out of things (laughs) in order to figure things out and get back home. How big is this microbe? Are we talking like one bite or is this going to be like over the course of? No, when you put it under a microscope, it's just a little black dot. It's just a little black what dot. A micro, what about a microbe scope? A micro. <laughs> <laughs> so anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never read the. Uh, no, I. You know, hey, you know what, guys? I just remembered. I've read The Martian. Nick was mistaken. A book on this show for a book that he has actually read. So it's, you know, kind of famous for I'm going to get off planet Mars and I'm going to tell you step by step on how to do it. It's very kind of yeah. scientific, but it makes it really fun. And obviously Matt Damon is in the book, so Matt it's Damon. great. And yes. so does is he have this, a Boston accent? Uh, he does. He grows apples. And so on Mars and Joseph, Mars. is this kind of like that? Yeah, uh, This is exactly like that, except for him being on Mars. He's at a faraway star. Right. Um, So it's it's just trying to get home. Just trying to get home. (laughs) So he wakes up on a ship and he really remembers nothing. Like he wakes up on a spaceship. He uh, there are two dead bodies in stasis who did not wake up, who seem like they've been dead for a little while. And he has to figure out why he's there. He's orbiting the sun. I'm sorry. Are we talking amnesia here? Or he woke up from a pod, like a travel pod. He he woke up from a pod, but he also has space amnesia. They don't call it space amnesia. (laughs) Let's just apply space to a lot of terms that we hear today. I mean, keep going. It's functional, yeah. yeah. He wakes up from a pod and he has space amnesia. There's kind of a cool moment in the book where he's like trying to figure out like why he's in a a vessel orbiting the sun. And then he starts doing certain readings of it and starts doing some science. And he's like, wait a minute. That's not how big our sun is. Wait a minute. My orbit's too fast for how big I am. Oh my God. The star I am orbiting around is not the sun, which is wild because he doesn't come from some like future earth in which intergalactic travel is a normal thing. He comes from our earth today, Um, but an earth that has kind of banded its collective efforts together and put together one Hail Mary effort to save humanity. Now, does he ever say, does he ever say, and I quote, that's no moon. No, Uh, no, he never says that's no moon. Although that feels like the kind of nerd thing that Andy Weir would slip (laughs) in. It's probably a little too on the nose. Like it maybe got cut on the editing floor. Like I think he maybe put it in the first draft and then it didn't make the final. I saw that Andy Weir wrote a fan fiction story connected to Ready Player One, which was then published as part of Ready Player One, making it canon. Which I feel like if you're writing fanfic, confusing that's, sentence. that's pretty much the the most. That's pretty much the the you're, that's what you're going for. 
Isn't this what happened with um, Fifty Shades of Grey, the book I famously did not read for this show, where it was um, like fan fiction of Twilight in which there was BDSM involved? Yeah, and then, but yeah. it's 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 a step further because we're like it's like if Stephanie Meyer published Twilight two, and it yes, was if full Stephanie of Meyer like, was like. And now let's reference the events of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, okay, you guys aren't allowed to talk the rest of the episode to She's each a, other. Even case in point, Andy Weir is a huge nerd, and I'm surprised he didn't say he didn't make his main character Ryland Grace say that's no move. Joseph, I have a one star review for you from Mark. Oh, I love it. oh yes, yes. Uh, surprisingly boring considering the good reviews, which is okay. a great. For a oh boy, to a one star review. <laughs> I'm right and everyone else is wrong. Just a long procedural, and then I did this, and then I did that, Mm -hmm. with zero Mm -hmm. real tension. Yawn. I made myself listen until the end, but on 1.5 speed for the last few hours to get it over with. My question is, Joe, how often do you accelerate the speed of your audiobooks to get it done faster? (laughs) Oh my god, did this book make you want to write? Okay, this is a thing. Um, I I, I take issue with a couple of things. I love that I I write, listen to it super slow. No, I, I loved it. I listened to it at the <laughs> speed that Ray Porter wanted me to speed. listen to it. <laughs> so I wanted it to last <laughs> I forever. I really slowed it down. I slowed it down to Attenborough levels. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's full of tension. Like, I think that's a crazy statement to hear. Like, Rylan Grace, he believes, like, this is a one-way mission, right? Like, Rylan Grace's job is to basically, let, let me give you the premise. There is a microbe that starts eating sunlight right and that sunlight is no longer making it to earth yeah, science and it's, you said this sounded realistic mm-hmm, yes <laughs> you don't know everything ian and no there could be no you're right i do not know everything ian, you're not there. that kind of doctor all right so there's a microbe eating sunlight um it, like the sun basically has this infectious disease the earth is cooling down because of it and it's going to lead to tons of problems on earth Fortunately, all the global warming that we've been doing for the last while has has bought us a little bit of time, but they have to put together this last ditch effort. They take a they scan all of the local stars that they can, like everything that's like in their neighborhood, and they notice that the, every star near them is dimming in a similar way, except for one. Right? There is one star that should be dimming that isn't. They put this character, Rylan Grace, on a deep space spaceship. They put him into a coma. They send him there and they're <laughs> like, all right, dude, you we have a small team together. This is everything we could do. Your job is to figure out why that one star isn't dimming. When you figure it out, send that information back to Earth. By the way, we do not have enough fuel to get you both there and back. So this will be a suicide mission. Who is setting up this mission? This is wild (laughs) in so many. It seems. okay. should we just move past that uh, flimsy setup there? Oh, no, it's so good because like time is of the essence, Nick. Like we we need years of space travel and like every year is going to move us one step closer to an ice age. Like even if things go perfectly like absolutely perfectly by the time the solution gets back to earth something like 40 years will have passed since the beginning of this happening and they estimate that the human population will have been halved by that time because they simply will not be able to make enough food it sounds like interstellar when they're on that one planet and Mm. time is warping into uh Mm. very fast and slow on earth or the other way around joe speed up the audiobook slow down the audiobook can i guess how this ends yeah, mm. love it. Hey, let me tell you, Nick, ain't gonna get it. <laughs> Start the timer. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you have 30 seconds. Go. How does this book end? 
All right. Um. Okay. Option number one. He's he's folds time and gets home and saves the day. He like space time continuum bullshit. Okay, that's number one. Number two. Uh, he doesn't get home, but he does save the planet. He sends information oh. back in time, and he just he kind of sacrifices himself a little mm. out in space. Uh, because you know what? You know you got to make sacrifices. That's right, mm-hmm. Joe. Option number three. He doesn't save time and he transports earth into this new universe that is fully functioning and it's around that new sun that you mentioned mm-hmm. that's got to be my time got it yeah that's can, your I time. Do one? can i do one i just got a quick possibility yeah, go ahead. what if maybe he discovers he sees he sees into the eye of whatchamacallit and mm-hmm. he realizes that it's actually for the best and so he goes he lets the earth he lets it go he turns evil i love it you know (laughs) he just gains he gains insight that it's like actually good because we are going to go like nuke some aliens yeah this is uh, these are good guesses as always you guys um yeah as always um you have nick a lot of times you come kind of close i would say that with a couple of your answers you have barely touched the enamel on the outside of the surface of the Brutal. actual solution here. Like you're going to come me enamel Nick for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a ton to like about this book. Um, when that one star review says that it's just this procedural comment or this procedural thing of like, and then I did this and then I did this and then I did this. Th- that is kind of true like at times that happens but for some reason in this book and in the martian from what everyone says that works uh like like that stuff works yeah, it's plot driven it's plot well, but, driven. but okay but i i will say like in in when we talk to students about writing stories we tell them that you shouldn't just have it shouldn't just be sequential first this then this then this right that's a failure. This needs to lead to this. Yeah. One needs to lead to two, which leads to three, which leads to four. Therefore, such that yeah. when we're at four, this like it, it could only have ended here, or this seems yeah. like I see why we're at this point. Right. That's the argument. I yeah. understand. I understand the the leeriness of and then and then whether or not this is doing that's different. But, but if it's a several hundred page book that can feel repetitive after a while. Right. No, right. no matter course, what. I, right. Yeah. There are two different uh, storylines going on here. Right. Like one of them is happening in modern day. Um, Rylan Grace is trying to save the world. He's orbiting this star and like kind of going through all the challenges that that encounters. The other one is in a series of flashbacks, because as you remember, space amnesia and he doesn't know why he's <laughs> I, there, I forgot right? space amnesia. Maybe forgot I space amnesia. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like in his flashbacks, more information is constantly revealed to him. And sometimes it's plot that's, specific oh, that's, information. That. Yeah, it's I good. It's that. like I sometimes it's like device. stuff that helps him solve this problem. Other times it's things like at a certain point he remembers, wait a second. I'm a middle school science teacher. Why am I the one saving Earth? Oh, does he assign the problem to his students and his students no. solve it? But they use chat GPT, oh, so Joe, it's kind of crappily solved. Am I solved. onto something there? No, you're not on Damn anything. Damn it. Oh, God, these, you these are terrible guesses. The sheer triumph or the, the, the blossoming triumph on Nick's face was Just lie to us. Joseph, tell us a little bit about this author briefly, because he, he seems to have, uh, I don't know much about him, but he's does a lot of science books. Yeah, so he was a computer programmer for many years uh, before he wrote a little book called The Martian. And then he said, I don't think I have to write software anymore. (laughs) Um, He wrote, he's written a couple of books since then. Uh, His bio is actually super thin, lives in California with his family. He, um, He describes himself as a science enthusiast 
enthusiast. He's never worked in it in, huh. in any formal way. He just kind of likes this stuff. Uh, in the acknowledgments for this book, there are a list of dedications to people that help him with the science in here. And I think it's one of the things that's really likable about this book. Sometimes it feels like, you know, like Star Trek mumbo jumbo, right? They, like this, this genre of, yeah, we're going to we're going to flux capacitor and, and uh, just override the blah, blah, blah. Right. It can feel like that when you read it. Mm. But then you read the list of like advisors that he has and readers that he has in the back and you go, oh, I think there's actually a basis for a lot of this. Like, I think a lot of this is actually how it might work. And this is classified by by aficionados as hard science fiction, mm, right? Like, this is science fiction. Our friend, hard science fiction, in which the science has to make sense. So we do have space amnesia. We do have a kind of a great little buddy comedy with a slight spoiler alert. Bleep that out. Yeah, maybe bleep that out. It's pretty great, though. It's one of the best parts of the book. But it also is like hard science fiction. And what I like about it is when you think about hard science fiction, you think of like, oh, well, actually, right? That's not how it would be. But like, this is super approachable science fiction. Like, this is a book that, that uh, you know, talking about The Martian, not Project Hail Mary, but this is a book that my wife sat up in bed reading long after I went to bed for many, many nights. And my wife is not a huge science fiction fan. It might be the one science fiction book she's ever read, but it's approachable, hard sci-fi. It sounds like a fun read, right? It, it's a fun read. It's a for 500 pages. It's a fast read. It's nice. a Lithead recommendation. Uh, Lithead Connor is actually a former student of mine. No. He was a reluctant reader. Did he graduate? I recommended well, don't this blow book up a spot to, right here. Don't. I, th- I think he would say that he was, wasn't a big reader. OK, OK, I, good. I handed him this book and I said, hey, I haven't read this. This is a year or two ago. I said, I haven't read this. I hear nothing but really good things about it. He picked it up. He flew through it. And he's like, Mr. Holshue this is the best book I've ever read. Like, can you give me 10 more books like this nice. one? He then awesome. went to you don't know that podcast.com. He recommended uh-huh. it for the show. I read it in return and Connor, I mean, I don't know if it's the best book I've ever read, but it was a quick 500 pages. Uh, it was, it was great. I liked it an absolute ton. Litheads, if you want to suggest a book or a theme just like Connor did this week and James did last week, uh, head, on, head on over to our website, you don't know litpodcast.com, and uh, click on the suggest a book or suggest a theme button. That'll get you going right there. You can also just su- uh, suggest request a sticky. I've got some stickies and I will send them to you in the mail. You can support the USPS, or rather, I will, by doing this. You can also get some cool stickies this way. They're free of charge completely free how often do you give free high quality swag these days Mm. not that often so make make the most of it um you can like and subscribe and um comment and so forth on our social media that's great but the number one way for you to spread the reach of this podcast is by telling bookish friends or potentially telling reluctant reader friends, people who might not be that into books, but want to sound like they're into books. Like me. They can listen, like they can listen to that half an hour, hour podcast, and then talk all about Mary Roach's Stiff or all about Andy Weir's Project Hail Mary, like they've read Just it. Just think about how many people you could put down. Yeah, oh like, God, you man, could feel so superior. Great. And what is reading books <laughs> if it's not that feeling of superiority? <laughs> I read two a week. 
Thank you, Leadheads. <laughs> All right. If I'm going to die, it's going to have meaning. I'm going to figure out what can be done to stop Astrophage, and then I'll send my answers off to Earth, and then I'll die. There's a lot of avenues for painless suicide here, from overdosing on meds to reducing the oxygen until I fall asleep and die. Cheerful thought. I eat a delicious tube of day four meal two. I think it's beef flavored. The food is getting chunkier now. There are actually some solids in there. I think I'm chewing a little cube of carrot. It's nice to feel some texture in the food for a change. More water, I say. The nanny bot, as I've come to call it, quickly takes my plastic cup away and replaces it with a full one. It's funny. Three days ago, the ceiling-mounted arms were a mechanical monster that haunted me. Now they're just there. Part of life. I found the dormitory to be a good place for thinking. Now that the dead bodies are gone anyway, the lab doesn't have anywhere comfortable to relax. The control room has a nice chair, but it's cramped and has blinking lights everywhere. But the dormitory has my nice, comfortable bed. I can lie back while I think about what to do next. Plus, the bedroom is where all the food comes from. I remember it a lot over the last couple of days. It looks like Project Hail Mary was a success because I'm here in another star system. Tau Ceti, I assume. It makes sense that I'd mistake it for the sun. Tau Ceti is very similar to the sun as stars go, same spectral type, color, so on. And I know why I'm here. Not just in vague terms like, oh, hey, the world's ending, make that not happen, but very specifically, find out why Tau Ceti wasn't affected by astrophage. Easy to say, hard to do. Hopefully I remember more details later. 